up, everybody? It's your girl, Shantae, back with another episode of Chatting with Shantae. How in the world are y'all doing? Me, I'm doing pretty good. So, y'all, I am so excited for this episode. A few weeks ago, I posted on social media how I really wanted to do a show or an episode based around mental health in the Black community and why these discussions aren't really happening as much. And I asked if anyone wanted to join me and y'all flooded my DMs on every social media platform. I was like, now, wait a minute. I only got one microphone, (laughs) only one microphone. So instead of doing just one episode about this, because of course, mental health is something that could be talked about, you know, different layers and different angles that these conversations can go into. I decided that I'm going to do several episodes but I wanted the first episode to be with my girl, Raven Mitchell. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. So a quick backstory. Me and Raven actually met my freshman year at NSU, I believe, because mm-hmm. you yes. were friends with my roommate. So I met you through her. And we've just been cool throughout the years. And she is someone who will really be able to have a good, deep conversation about this because the girl, she's busy, okay? <laughs> she's busy. I Just knowing her personally and then just following her after graduation and everything. So I'm going to let you do the honors and introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself because I don't want to mess nothing up, Miss Busy Woman. Girl, Busy, my <laughs> middle name. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You're welcome, um, sis. On this, po- on this podcast, and I am just so proud of everything that you're doing, especially oh. interviewing these celebrities. I'm like, girl, you do you Little me, little Desi. <laughs> you can Thank do anything you. you put your mind to. Um, But yeah, so I am Raven. I am currently a um, third-year student in a school psychology PhD program, which is why I'm so busy. <laughs> listen. Um, <laughs> listen. But yeah, um, I'm currently on internship. I have an internship in Dallas, Texas right now. I just moved out here about a month ago. Um, since we aren't able to do anything because of COVID, you know, I haven't really gotten to go anywhere, but you know, hopefully in about a year or two, this is gone. <laughs> hopefully. Um, Listen, we said that by, uh, what, August that this should be done, and we are right here. And look at us. <laughs> look at us now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm so excited to be here to discuss mental health in the Black community because it is definitely something that needs to be discussed a lot more. Um, we're coming along, but we still got a long way to go, so. I'm looking forward to giving some insight on it and saying, you know, just what I think about it in general. Didn't I tell y'all she was iconic? Like, when she said <laughs> third year, I was like, well, can't relate because undergrad had me stressed. So, mm-hmm. It did. <laughs> uh, all undergrad, my master's, this is it's all stressful. But it's okay, though, because it's, it's going to be worth it in the end. So, I'm just it. looking towards the end goal. Yeah, I'm so proud of her. It's just so sweet. Okay, we're gonna say the mushy stuff. Listen, I know y'all tired of hearing these mushy people on my podcast, but listen, products of Louisiana and products of NSU, we oh, are yes. great people. We are great oh, people. Yes. Okay, so disclaimer this is not the second or last person from NSU that y'all will be hearing me talk with. Okay, so get mm-hmm. used to it. So let's just get into it. So what made you want to go into this specific field? Like what drove you to say, this is what I want to go into. This is my passion. This is what I see, you know, me doing with my life. Yeah, got you. So 
it's kind of a long story, but I'm going to, you know, tighten it up a little bit. <laughs> so what really made me get into psychology um, in general in undergrad was I had a high school class. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was my senior year of high school. and We had a psychology class and I think there was a coach that taught it. Mm-hmm. Nothing against coaches who teach classes. Because if you, but... <laughs> you know, you, you know, football coach teaching algebra. But anyway, okay. um, I don't I don't think he was able to, you know, kind of. I don't think he had the knowledge of psychology for us mm-hmm. to really grasp the concept. Right. Um, and that was nothing against him. It was just a class that he had to teach so we really didn't get in depth about and then it was high school too so after that I was just like hmm like I'm kind of interested in psychology like I just kind of want to know what makes people behave you know Mm -hmm. how they behave what makes them you know do the things that they do and so I was okay so this is what I'm going to major in in college so did that absolutely loved it I loved learning about the theories of psychology schools of thought all of that um so then my senior year of undergrad I really didn't know what I wanted to do I was like okay I can't really do much with a uh, bachelor's in psychology in the field so I gotta go back for my master's so well what am I gonna do for my master's because I still don't know (laughs) what I want to do um so then that's when I talked to my good soror Miss Brittany Broussard I was about to shout her out later um yes she has helped me so much oh my gosh um but yeah so that's she's the one who kind of nudged me on to get my master's in clinical psychology and I absolutely loved it clinical psych is I would say it's my baby because I still love it even though I'm in school psychology now all right clinical psych just allowed me to get more experience, you know, in assessment and actual psychopathology, mental health diagnoses. Um, I learned the DSM front to back. <laughs> Listen, okay. Yes, I loved it. Um, and then I had an internship in my last year of my master's program mm-hmm. at a behavioral clinic with children who had, you know, autism, ADHD, right. some intellectual disabilities. And I think that's where I found my calling. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to work with children who have um, intellectual disabilities and Mm -hmm. uh, just to be able to give them a a better shot at life um, because there are no different or less than anyone else. Absolutely. Um, So that's what kind of prompted me to get into school psychology. Um, And the rest is history. I will hopefully, in Jesus' name, graduate <laughs> next year. Yes. She is, y'all. Um, she be fronting. She is. <laughs> <laughs> she is. Yes. Uh, but school psychology is awesome. I, I really want to uh, kind of put the word out there a little bit about school psychology because not a lot of people know about it. Right. Um, but pretty much all school psychology is, is a teacher combined with a psychologist. Mm-hmm. An educator combined with a psychologist. So um, we work in the schools. Some of us work in clinics, but mostly we just assess children for autism, ADHD, um, speech impairments, things like that. We assess them and then get them the services that they need. And I really love right. it. So yeah, I, I after that long spiel. <laughs> so, but, yeah. 
Okay, so kind of going back to like your high school teacher and everything like that. So do you know about how old you were when you had your first black teacher or black influence other than someone in your family who had an impact in your life? Oh, man. Um, I, my first black teacher was in seventh grade. Right. Um, yeah, and that was my only, my first oh. and only black teacher. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> wait, <laughs> I know, right? And it's it's crazy. Um, the other black, I had a black professor in, um, in my program that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. But other than that, those are the only black teachers I've ever had. And I see a lot of people asking, um, like making posts about that on Facebook, like when was right. your or who was your first black teacher? And they mm-hmm. say, you know, it was in high school or something. I'm like, wow, right. there's really not a lot of us, you know, in education. And I kind of, that's why I wanted to ask, because I know for a lot of us, like you said, your first black teacher wasn't until seventh grade. I know for me personally, when I was super young, I'll say head start through first grade, I had a few. Mm-hmm black teachers and things like that but that was because of the school I went to and then getting older going to different schools I didn't have another black teacher or someone in a higher up who was black until seventh grade like you said and to tie all that into what we're talking about because I know for a lot of black families and stuff mental health isn't something that's really openly discussed in the home so it's like Mm -hmm. okay a child can't talk about whatever issues they're feeling inside with their parents or siblings or whatever and then they go into an institution, a school, and there's no superior who looks like them that they feel that they could, you know, relate to. Exactly. So it kind of forces a child to kind of internalize a lot. And it's just, Absolutely. you know what I mean? So they have nowhere to really turn to. Now, of course, not everybody went to predominantly white institutions or, you know, things like that. So everyone's upbringing is different. But I know for a lot of us, that was the case. And then after seventh grade, all through high school, I didn't have a Black teacher. And then it wasn't until I got to college and when I switched my minor over to psychology, I met Miss, you know, Mrs. Bruce, our head girl again. And then I had another black professor. So like you said, it's very far and few of us in the educational, you know, system. It definitely is. Right. Definitely. So Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. I was just saying that it, I, it's just crazy how now I see there's a lot of I have a lot of friends on Facebook and social media that are teachers and I'm so happy to see Me that too. Um, because like like you said when you were younger you really didn't have you know a black teacher to feel like you can talk to or you had something mm-hmm. going on at home the teacher is the next best thing because they right. see you more than your parents probably see you in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of that person to, to talk to sometimes. And when you don't really have a lot of people who look like you at the school, then you kind of feel like you're alone and don't really have anyone to talk to. Exactly. So yeah. why do you think these conversations about depression and anxiety and other mental disorders, why do you think that these, these conversations aren't happening in our community as much as other communities, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely the stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the first thing because, and I don't, I don't really understand. I can't really wrap my head around why there's such a stigma around mental health in the black community, but there is, and it mm-hmm. has affected us for decades. 
um, probably centuries. Um, I did read, yeah, I did read a blog a couple of days ago um, talking about why this probably happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And it stems from slavery. And they were saying that a lot of Black slaves did not feel like they had the luxury of having mental health issues, if that makes sense. Right. I'm like, what <laughs> like if anybody had mental health issues it was the slaves the slaves the, the amount of trauma that they went through is crazy um but yeah so when I when I when I read that I was just like wow like the the slaves back then didn't didn't feel like they had the luxury of having mental health issues like mm-hmm. it was only for their um for white people to have mental health issues right back then and i think that just kind of trickled down on into um the turn of the century and now we're coming along now we still have a long way to go mm-hmm. um but i think another reason too why mental health isn't discussed is because we depend a lot on religion and exactly yeah, not not to say that you cannot depend on religion because we all need Jesus. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> Some more than others. Yes. Amen. Stay yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the the notion that you can pray away depression or pray away anxiety mm-hmm. without the help of a therapist that kind of gets us caught up. And especially I grew up in a Kojic church that's Church of God in Christ. So Amen. we were, yes, we were pretty, um, I wouldn't say strict, but they, the people that I grew up around depended a lot on um, church and praying and fasting and things like that, which are all fantastic. But personally, I do not think it couldn't take the place of actually seeing a therapist or actually being on some types of medication. Right. So I think that's another reason. And then also, I just think that we as a community, um, we don't really allow each other that space to be vulnerable. You like, for example, on the head. yes, um, for example, like a lot of black men, when they're boys, they're told, you know, you need to toughen up. Boys don't cry. Um, get up. You'll be all right if they fall or something of the sort. And then they grow mm-hmm. up not being able to express their emotions because their entire life, they're told not to. Exactly. So I feel like you, you read my with? notes because that's exactly <laughs> what I have right here. And you know, what's interesting because with mental health, you know, conversations in our households, in our community, it's like a very taboo topic. It's not, you know, discussed openly or at all, really. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to topics like sex, you mm-hmm. know, when we're growing up you're telling the young black boys you know growing up not to have sex so you better not get no girl pregnant and then Mm -hmm. us being young black girls growing up you know finding out about our bodies and things like that you better not go have sex you better not get pregnant you know things like that and then drugs Mm -hmm. alcohol fighting all these other serious conversations are being held but and I kind of feel like if the disorder or whatever isn't physical like if they can't physically see it then mm-hmm. it's not an issue to them right so like if you exactly. see someone with a with a physical you know something about them it's a more serious or talked about 
discussion. But when it's just something mental, oh, it's just in your head. You ain't got nothing to be depressed about. You complaining. That's the devil. Okay, and, that's oh for white people. Gosh. Yes. You know, <laughs> those like, exact words. So I feel like a lot of us, again, I'm not speaking for everybody because not everybody has the same circumstances. But I know a lot of us have probably heard those. Like, what you got to be complaining about? You got a roof over your head. I mean, mm. I mean, you know, to be depressed about. You got a roof over your head. You're going here. You got this. You got that. Okay, well, you're naming all these materialistic things that I'm grateful for. But Absolutely. I have other things that I have going on. And because I'm afraid if I, or not afraid, I know if I discuss it, it'll get shot down. It'll get pushed mm-hmm. to the side, swept under the rug. And then I have nobody else to turn to, then then they wonder why their children, you know, take Girl, a step further. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all of a sudden they're crying. I didn't know that my daughter, my son, my children were going through this because you didn't take the time to sit down Absolutely. and talk to them. So Absolutely. And it, it really just goes back to treating mental health as you would any other type of physical ailment. Exactly. You go to the doctor for anything else. So that means you should go to the doctor for your mm-hmm. mental health. And going back to what you said about like whenever I feel like we all grew up in the same household. We did. We did. <laughs> what you got to be depressed about. Right. You got clothes. You got this, this and that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that is not it. That is not the answer. Please right. listen to your children when they are expressing that they mm-hmm. have something going on. Um because you do not want them to take matters into their own hands. Right. And I don't know how I want to say this, but of course it has something to do with the older generations and how they were raised and taught. And because they didn't heal from that, they just go about how they know how they've been raised. And Mm -hmm. it's like when, how can I say it without being disrespectful? (laughs) But well, because this is a sensitive topic, but you know. It is. And I think the wording you're looking for may be like, um, I wouldn't say generational curses, but yeah. just it. the tradition has been passed down um, through generations to not really take mental health seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's not really our parents' fault or our grandparents' fault. That's right. all they knew. Exactly. Um, it's up to us to try to change that narrative, which we are pretty much doing now Uh, we've gotten a lot of um, we've been pretty progressive as far as mental health I think that was that the wording you're looking for if not please correct me (laughs) um yeah that was a good part of it but I want to like tapping more onto the older generation maybe they don't want their child to express their feelings because maybe a little feeling of guilt because they know they didn't heal from family issues or whatever and they just kind of passed it on and now that it's coming yeah. out, they may feel now I have to deal with all of this at one time instead of, and when I could have just dealt with it, whatever it may be, when it happened mm-hmm. and I didn't pass it on to my children, their children. And again, like you said, it's nobody's fault. It's all they knew. So they didn't know how to heal from it themselves and they just passed it down. So Right. That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think um, just that that a lot of people say now like they're trying to break generational curses and they are real like whatever it may be we are the generation that's really trying to be be better for our generations that are coming Mm -hmm. up underneath us we we're not gonna settle for well that's just how uncle so-and-so was or that's Mm -hmm. how Yang was like we're trying to fix these things 
because right. we know that that's why we've been passing down trauma. So exactly, that makes and, so I love this, <laughs> right? And kind of going back to what you said, you know, about when we're like as black children being taught not to really express your feelings too much. You know, we have that mantra, that mentality that we kind of got passed down to. You never let them see you sweat. Really, mm-hmm. that type of thing. If you don't talk about it, pretend it's not there, then it didn't happen. Uh, what happens in my house stays in my, in my house. Okay. And then for, like you were talking about, a young black man, if he shows emotion, okay, you're weak. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're, you're supposed to be tough. You're supposed to be the man of the house. You know, we get these pressures and responsibilities put on us at a very young age. I'll say that. You know, yes. these mentalities. And then if you're a young black woman, you express yourself, oh, you're that angry black woman. Absolutely. You, you're bitter. You know, you're nagging. Angry at the world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I'm trying to deal with this the best way I know how, but since no one taught me, I'm, you know, it right. just kind of comes out maybe not the best way, but it's the only way that we know how to do it. And it's funny that we're talking about, you know, the family thing, because I'm actually reading a book and it's called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. I believe I'm saying his name correctly. Oh, I need to read that. It's so I've good. about it. Someone posted about it like a couple, a month and a half, two months ago on Twitter, and it went viral. And it's basically talking about how to heal from family experiences, family traumas, so that way you can heal for yourself, but not and not only heal for yourself, but so you won't pass and, you know, repeat the cycle onto the next generation and the generation after that. Right, right. It's a I'll really good book. That. I'll actually link it. I'll send you the link, too, so you can check it out. I got it off of Amazon. Okay. It's really good. It's not one of those. Uh, I can't talk. It's not just one of those uh, <laughs> sit down and read books. It's like an interactive book. It has different exercises. It really makes you open up your mental process and, you know, your mind mm-hmm. and everything. Really, really good. Okay. I will look into it. Please do. It's so good. It makes you want to spill some tea about your family and talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> All our families got tea. But, okay. Hey, it's funny because all this grown folks business that we were told to stay out of and then you grow up and you sit at the the table at Thanksgiving and ain't nothing but some BS. It's like, this what I had to wait 15 years for? I could have stayed at the kiddie table. Oh, man. Exactly. (laughs) back at the kiddie table because y'all got too much going on. Y'all got too much going on and y'all stressing me and my edges out. I ain't got time (laughs) The whole time, I'm excited to get the family tea and it's nothing but some bull. Mm -hmm. But... And we kind of been saying this throughout the whole show, but I do feel like after seeing, you know, different other podcasts, having conversations with other people, seeing it on social media, this generation is really trying to take a stand and doing the best we can and breaking these cycles and really being open about mental health and other issues that, you know, we had to suppress growing up. I do see a a shift in that. And I'm pretty proud of it. I am too. Like, I really love, like, I'll get on Twitter and people are talking about, oh, well, my therapist said blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like, y'all are actively talking about that, like, you're going to therapy. It's not taboo to, right. like, say that you have a therapist. And I love it. Um, and also, disclaimer, you do not have to have a mental illness to see a therapist. Thank you. I was literally thinking that because when you tell somebody you have a therapist or you're seeing someone and oh, they're crazy. Mm. No, that is not. Every, anybody mm. can go to therapy. Everybody has daily life stressors. We all mm-hmm. have something going on. So a therapist will really just help you talk through a lot of that um, right. and not turn to other things as coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I just think this generation is definitely being more progressive about it um, and going to see therapists and just trying to fix this, just this past trauma. And hopefully we'll see maybe in 10 years that it has really turned our community like around. I really as hope far as mental so. health. Yeah. I really hope so. Cause the last thing we need is to pass it on down to our children and you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. We, again, I'm really proud of us. And because you're in this field and things like that, how does that make you feel? Because you are a part of this shift, you know, you are going to be making an impact on someone's life, you know, once you really get into your career and everything. Like, how does that make you feel? Man, it's awesome. Well, from where I am now, without what the field that I am in now, I'm mm-hmm. more so working with children. Right. Um, so I, I don't work with adults that often. But I, I love that having the opportunity to be able to help a child become the adult that he needs to be to be able to function in society. Right. Um, when I was working at my, when I had my internship, my master's internship at the behavioral clinic, I feel like that, that has been my most rewarding job I have ever had because mm-hmm. I would be able to work with kids. For for example, I worked with this young boy and he's about seven years old mm-hmm. and he, um, he had autism, severe autism so that he couldn't, he couldn't speak well. He didn't really have any words at all. Right. So by the time we got done after working with him for about, I think I was working with him for about four or five months. I think he was able to say hi and after that I was just like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) I know I I just absolutely love being able to um, help kids just prosper and a lot of a lot of people don't really understand autism all too well Mm -hmm. um, because it's a spectrum so of course you have you know the high functioning autism where you almost can't even notice it and then you have the normal severe autism that you is probably more noticeable. Um, right. But enough about autism and stuff. I just I just love autism. But um, just just knowing that I'm in the community of helping others just rewards me, and I love it. When I was in my um, in my practicum for my master's program, I got to. Mm-hmm. Um, do a little bit of um, psychotherapy with some students and I really love that so the whole psychology feel as a whole I just love even though I I've kind of jumped around from yes I've jumped around from um, different parts of psychology you know general psych clinical psych school psych but I think it's given me a pretty well-rounded experience and hopefully throughout the rest of my career I can still jump around you know um, I can, you know, uh, assess children, but still offer some counseling services, uh, psychotherapy. Um, yeah, so I just love this field. And anybody wants to, uh, if anybody wants to look into school psychology, please do. <laughs> please do. Because we have a shortage of school psychs. <laughs> we have a shortage of school psychologists across the United States. So there's definitely job security. I told y'all she was iconic. Like I told y'all, <laughs> I told y'all, booked and busy and iconic. <laughs> you are iconic over here. You booked and busy. 
Whatever, for real. I'm trying to be. I'm really trying to be because, listen, I'm trying to be like you and get up out of Louisiana. But no yeah. shade to our state, but yeah, we 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 trying to do a little something. We try. We we. I got think we it. climbed up out of the 50th spot of education to 49th, maybe. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Louisiana or something else. I love this conversation, dog. This was amazing. It needs to happen a lot more often. um, Just as as to why there there's still a stigma around mental health, and hopefully Mm -hmm. um, we can overcome that. Like I said, we've we've gotten we've been so progressive, and a lot of things are being normalized now. I know that word is used a lot. It is (laughs) normalized. Befitting right now. It definitely is. Um, and I'm glad that mental health is one of those things being normalized. Um, because once once you take care of your mental health, it seems like everything else, well, I can't speak for everyone else, but yeah. once you take care of your mental health, a lot of other things in your life um can benefit from that. Right. And the healing process after you know, yes. the healing process Heal. is just who it feels good. I know that term is used a lot too, the healing process and things like that, but a true healing process feels really good. Yes. yes. You just let go of so much. (laughs) Most death. But Raven, thank you so much for speaking the facts about this because like you said, these conversations need to happen more often and no better person than to kick this off than with you, sis. Thank you for having me. This was so You're awesome. Welcome. So I hope y'all enjoyed that episode. I really hope this, if it only touches one person to go out and help someone, talk to someone, that's really my main goal for this, honestly. Yeah. And if that is all, then I will catch y'all on the next episode. I love y'all. Bye. Bye.